Hey, I'm Kevin Burke, 93 Dizzy Dean World Series champion. My eight-year-old team won 50 games last year, and I have so many rings and trophies, I can't even keep up with them all. Wait, you're saying nobody cares? That that That's not going to get my kid to the big leagues? All right, all right. Let's talk about what really matters. Welcome to the Elbow Up Youth Baseball Podcast. First-hand and real-time experience, stories, advice, and lessons learned. Some the hard way by me, a former player, lifelong fan, and now dad and coach. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Elbow Up Youth Baseball Podcast. It's been a few weeks, but I am back and ready with some great stuff. And today we're talking about when daddy becomes youth baseball GM. And yes, that's GM as in general manager. Um, But before we go there, just quickly, if you are new or maybe you listen to the podcast but haven't ever done this, make sure you go over to getelbowup.com. That's getelbowup.com and just type in your email address. It's free, but every week I'll send you an email um, and it's just got an alert or an email saying, hey, the new episode is up and live. And sometimes there'll be, most of the time actually, there'll be a written version too. So you can read through it if, if you can't listen, but make sure you do that. It just, it allows me to get in touch with you. Um, I also send out a premium edition Monday and Friday, either a recording or something written. And occasionally I'll make those public. So make sure you go over and do that. Getelbowup.com. It helps me out. Just the more subscribers we have, the more um, I can create content so that it's helping more people. Also, I am looking for some sponsors for the show. Um, We get anywhere between 10 and 50,000 downloads an episode. So if you know somebody or you are interested, please let me know. Um, That will help us put out more and more content. But got some good stuff ready. And I shared a Facebook post a couple weeks ago about teasing this topic. I had more comments than usual, so I knew it would be good. This week, I'm going to either gain or lose subscribers, probably some of both, and that's okay. I'm not here to make friends, although I have made a ton and it's been enjoyable, but I'm here to share my experience and positively impact kids and families through youth baseball. So many of you listening agree with me and you want to hear more. It just reinforces your approach. Others don't agree with me and and hopefully it at least makes the gears turn. And then some of you are just new and don't know, and so you're looking for somebody who's been there before and done it before, and all of that is okay. But something that's been on my mind for a month and a half, I would say, everybody is thinking about next season. So as the current season winds down, and for many, it already is over, uh, coaches and parents are starting to figure out, or at least try to figure out, what next year will look like. I feel like it happens earlier and earlier every year, and everyone has an angle. Many coaches are looking to, quote, upgrade their team. Some parents just want to win more. Some parents aren't happy with their son's playing time or their position, so they're looking to see which area teams will have openings. Here's the thing. None of those things are bad on the surface. I mean, I'm not here to say you shouldn't want to be better or win more games or do what's best for your kid. But what about the cost 
What about the collateral damage? What about the big, the long-term picture? Is it even worth it? So I shared a screenshot on that Facebook post I'm talking about, and, and the quote that the guy used was, loyalty is revealed in the presence of other opportunities. And he went on to say, I've never understood cutting little kids from a baseball team absent of a legitimate discipline issue. Every team around has someone they can, quote, upgrade. Are those handful of wins next summer really worth screwing over a good kid? Because those are the discussions I hear being had right now, and it frustrates me. We aren't general managers, and kids aren't chess pieces. They're kids. We are role models that kids look up to. Be loyal, build a kid's confidence, and coach that kid up. The faith you show in his value as a good kid will impact his life far more than those three to four wins next season. Now, that's a lot. Let's unpack that and talk about what nobody wants to hear. So the reality is, and I've talked about this before, I know some guys who have played and coached at really high levels. We had Sean Kelly, who played in the big leagues 11 years on the show a few months back. He obviously made a lot of money playing baseball. My brother was a first-round draft pick. He made a lot of money playing baseball. Just the other day, actually, a kid who played on our 9U team 10 years ago or 9 years ago was drafted in almost the same spot in the first round. And 15 years later, it's a, it's a whole lot more money. That kid's making money. So all those guys got or will get big money relative to what most of us will ever make, especially playing a sport. But here's the thing. That's not realistic for 99% of us. Actually, 99 point something. It's just not. Now, it doesn't mean we shouldn't do our best and help our kids succeed or that we shouldn't have dreams to do that. But it means we shouldn't treat youth baseball like we're playing for a World Series and our career is on the line. In fact, what's on the line is much, much more important the future of our kids. So there are two main reasons that daddies become youth baseball general managers and parents jockey to find the best team for their kid. So for those of you that may not know, um, a general manager, the reference there, if you look at professional sports, Major League Baseball, NBA, NFL, a GM basically is the person responsible for building the best team possible. They make trades, they draft players, they cut players, They're ultimately held responsible or accountable for an organization's success or failure. And they're paid handsomely for it. Those are professionals. That's what they do. So if you find this part offensive, send me an email. But I can tell you, I have been in both shoes. I've been the coach trying to upgrade or part of a coaching staff trying to upgrade. And I've been the parent trying to jockey to get my kid to be not only the most successful he could be, but also to have the easiest route to get there. So if what I'm saying hurts, it's probably true. But I feel like I'm coming from a place that I can say that. I'm not sitting in some ivory tower holier than thou. I have been there. I have done that. And I'm just telling you because I have. So for coaches, the root of this is they just want to win, period. I don't know how else to say it. Most coaches I know are good people. They care for the kids. They want them to be as successful as possible. But their desire to win and be the best rises above all else. This is true even for those of you, most of you, that would say it's not. It just is, guys. There's no other way to put it. There's no other way to explain 
the decision-making, the yelling, the passion. I mean, I see this when, when an 8U or 9U, 9U team comes from behind and wins in a, quote, close game because the other team walked seven guys in a row, couldn't make a play. And the coaches are jumping up and down, high-fiving, giving them a fist bump and running across the field yelling because they beat that team. No, the other team just lost. I'm not trying to be ugly, and we should be happy that we won, but we treat this like we're playing for some prize. We're, we, we treat this like uh, it's a World Series and we're going to get a big paycheck out of it. And that guides everything that we do. Parents, we can't stand for our children to fail or be uncomfortable or face adversity. And it's natural for us to want to intervene. It's natural for me. I don't want my nine-year-old, now 10 actually, 10-year-old son to be uncomfortable. And that's okay for me to want that. But that's not how life's going to be. These kids have to learn how to lose, how to struggle, how to sit the bench, how to be good teammates. And how to not play the position that they want to play all the time. Coaches, the post above or that I uh, mentioned earlier, if you're reading along or look at the show notes at the website, getelbowup.com, you can see where I've written this. But um, it's accurate. Many, and entirely more than you think, youth coaches act as a general manager and they use their players as chess pieces. What's wild is that most of these off-season, quote, upgrades only yield a few more wins. And what do we get out of a few more wins? Like, two days later, nobody remembers. We, We posted on Facebook and put the pictures on there, and then two days later, you know, the only person that ever sees that again is you when your Facebook memory shows up every year. Like, I don't think I've ever looked at a team or a coach at 9U or 8U or even 13U and said, man, I'm going to remember that team forever because they just won that tournament. It, five, six, seven more games, guys, isn't going to matter. Like, what are we doing? We want to win, win, win. So here's what we do as coaches. We fail to set realistic goals that are both age and player appropriate. We don't develop players. We don't actually teach them the game and how to be better. And then when one of them doesn't meet our performance standards, we want to go cut them for somebody better that will. Like, that's a shortcut. Ask yourself, why do you coach? If the answer is because I want to go win, I think that's a, probably a bad answer. But if that's the answer, then I guess maybe you do need to upgrade your team. But I don't think many of you would say, well, because I want to go win. And I don't even think because you do want to win that, that that's really what drives you. I think that the natural desire to win, like I want to win in everything. I want to win in my job. I want to win in baseball. I want my yard to look the best in the neighborhood. I want to drive a, you know, a nice car. Like I want to win in life. And I think that's okay. And I want, I want my kid and my team to learn how to, to want to do that. But we also have to be able to see the big picture and put the priorities in line. And I haven't always done that. That's why I'm here. But if you ask yourself, why do I coach? Like, what's that answer? Is it to win? And if it's not, then I'd say we need to keep talking. 
Parents, you got to pump the brakes on changing the environment so your son can be successful instead of preparing them to adapt to and deal with the environment they find themselves in. You cannot control the environment when they get to middle school and high school and college and in the real world. We want to keep them safe, but we have to be able to, and hopefully, maybe in a controlled way, let them start to learn how to get out there on their own. Let them learn how to feel failure and being uncomfortable and adversity. Kids are leaving teams left and right because they're just not playing the position they want to play or their team didn't win enough games or rings. Now, there are legitimate reasons to leave a team, and I'll talk about those later, but avoiding failure and adversity or trying to pave an extremely comfortable path for your child is not a legitimate reason. So we got to get back to the basics. We got to get back to the basics of what we're trying to do each week on the ball field and let that guide us in all that we do related to baseball. Remember, guys, this is about ages 6 to 12, 5 to 12, 13. I'm not talking about 17, 16, 18-year-olds. It's a little bit different. Well, it's a lot different, actually. But I'm talking about 6-year-olds, 7-year-olds, 8-year-olds, 10-year-olds. If, you, if you're new or you missed this one, go back and read one of my very first posts or you can listen to it. I've actually linked to it. Go to getelbowup.com. Look at the post. It should be the most recent one, When Daddy Becomes Youth Baseball GM. Or you can just search for uh, Gut Check or just read down through there. But um, I've linked to it in, in this episode. But I talk about what I believe we should be focused on as coaches and parents. And here's the thing, there's three of them, and I don't even think it should be a conversation. Like it is what it is. If you disagree with me, email me. I'd love to hear what would go ahead of these three things. Post it, leave me critical feedback, tell me I'm an idiot. But I wanna know what would be above these three things. The first one is have fun. Why do we do anything with our kids? recreationally it's to have fun we go play in the yard we have fun we go swim we have fun we spent we want to spend time with our kids we want them to learn some kind of a skill we want them to learn how to interact with people and we want to have fun like that's it so why should youth baseball at eight nine and ten eleven year old be any different that's the first and number one priority number two is to get better and it's not to be a major league baseball player it's to get better at the game it's to learn the game you know, getting better looks different. We've got a pretty good team for, for nine U, but getting better looks different from for, for this one guy than it does my son and, and vice versa. You know, I got a kid that's a, that's throwing, I don't even know, almost 60 miles an hour, and I got a kid who's throwing 42. Like, I can't judge them against each other at nine. Are you kidding me? The kid, the kid throwing 60 could decide he doesn't want to play and play another sport or whatever by the time he's in high school. And the other kid that throws 42 could, could be a first-round draft pick. But who cares what they do? Like getting better is about themselves and measuring against themselves at this age. Getting better from game to game or day to day or year to year relative to themselves. The third thing is learning life lessons, learning how to be a good teammate, learning how to to face adversity, learning how to win and lose. Like those are things that when baseball's over with, they're going to remember. 
they're going to learn how to, they're going to know how to deal with a boss that they don't like because they had a coach that they didn't like, but they persevered and their parents encouraged them and told them to focus on what they can control and not what they couldn't control. So if those are our goals, then why would we look to quote upgrade one or two of our players just to get a few more wins? Why would we as parents want to just jump from team to team because we want to get a couple more rings? Now, what we should do instead is a tough one to tackle because everybody's different. Every team's different. There are teams that may have won 50 games last year and they just want to eke out a few more. Or maybe there's teams that had 50 losses last year and they just want to have a chance. And then there's a whole lot of teams that are somewhere in the middle. But even with the disparity of teams and talent at these younger ages, I believe that we as coaches and parents have a duty, a responsibility to get back to the basis of what's really important and then let that guide how we act, how we coach, how we parent, how we win, how we lose. So we got to fix this. So coaches first, you, I know it's hard. I struggle with it every day, even though I do this podcast and I've done this forever, but you must suppress the desire to put winning above all else. You got to. This clouds judgment, your decision-making, and how you coach your team. It, it, it clouds everything. How you practice, how you coach, your lineup. You begin to make decisions that favor the short-term gain as opposed to long-term gain. And that's not just for, for the team. That's for individual players. Again, go back to our, our mission statement, so to speak, or our the reason that we do this. Is it to win tomorrow? Is it the reason you coach to win as many rings as you can this year? I hope not, but I think some people are that way. I would like to think, though, that when you, if you're honest, it's not. It's to prepare kids, to develop kids. You know, now at some point, it's 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 like, look, the rubber meets the road, and this is this is the best that we are, and we're going to go win. But if I'm coaching a group of nine year olds or seven year, like if I'm coaching a group of seven year olds, I want to try to create the best twelve and thirteen year old kids I can, not the best sevens. Kid on our team, uh, you know, is he's a shortstop and he's a stud. But his dad says, you know, I want him to play the positions. He's like, I want him to be the best 12-year-old or the best 17-year-old, not the best 9-year-old. An example of this, though, this, this you know, short-term gain is over-pitching your top two or three guys. There's only one reason you do this. It's not because – you have nobody else that can pitch. Let's be honest. If you say you have nobody else that can pitch, that's just not true. You may have nobody else that you can count on to throw strikes or that's going to overpower hitters, but you got other guys that could throw. But you do this, we do this, because we don't think we have an opportunity to win otherwise. So that short-term potential upside gets in the way and you stick with your top two or three, four guys. The irony is, and this, this is true, I, I can't underscore this enough. You may win that one game. All right, so we got a ring. Or you know what? We posted on Facebook that we went 1-0 and in pool play or 2-0 and in pool play. 
But the long-term downside is far greater to both those individual pitchers, all the other kids, and your team. So those guys that you overpitched are much more likely to have arm problems because chances are you overpitched them this week, you overpitched them the week before, you overpitched them the week before that, you overpitched them the week before that, and they're going to have arm problems. And it's not going to be your problem to deal with, and it's going to be the next coach's problem to deal with, and it's not even going to be the next coach's problem to deal with. It's going to be that poor kid's own problem to deal with when he's 17 years old, he's throwing like 89, colleges are looking at him, and then he blows out his elbow because you wanted to win a ring. Real talk, guys. You can be mad if you want, and if you want to hang up or turn it off unsubscribe, that's fine. But I would challenge you to keep listening. Um, We're not perfect. I'm not perfect. I've made all these same mistakes. Not only is that guy going to have arm problems, the kids that you never gave an opportunity to are going to be behind. So now you're letting the, the, the good player down because the longevity of his career is, is in jeopardy because you wanted to win. The career at all of the other kids is in jeopardy because you failed to develop them. You failed to give them an opportunity. Look, guys, who cares who's the best? Nine-year-olds don't even have control of their body. There are some that are really good. I see them every week. Kids that you're like, oh my gosh, how is he nine? But guys, these other kids catch up. They just they don't, they haven't figured it out. They haven't hit a growth spurt. Maybe they just like playing Xbox better. And honestly, that's probably healthy right now. They like playing basketball. They don't want to work. They don't want to take pitching lessons in the winter because they want to play basketball. And then their parents want to want to spend time with them, and so they don't do that extra lesson, and so they're a year or two or three behind. I saw something this week, um, and I haven't independently verified it, but it is tagged by the Baltimore Orioles, so I have a feeling that it's not made up. But um, Cedric Mullins, who started this week in the Major League Baseball All-Star Game for the American League, he was a bench player in high school. He's five foot eight. He didn't even start in high school until his senior year. He went to a junior college, and now he's starting in center field in the All-Star game. I'd say that guy was not one of your best pitchers when he was nine. He probably wasn't one of your best hitters or one of your best fielders. And frankly, you probably found yourself saying, you know what, we probably need to upgrade this Cedric Mullins. He's undersized, he's not athletic enough, he can't pitch, and he can't hit. And look at him now. I came across another example this week. So as I was reading up on the draft that just happened, I came across a tweet from a guy who is a former NCAA head coach. He's been around youth baseball for a long time. And he shared a picture of a team from a few years ago that was at the time 16U. And it's a, it's a picture of a team in a dugout around each other posing for the camera. Obviously look like they're having fun. The tournament's over. I'll retweet this, or maybe I already did. On Twitter, it's elbow underscore up. But anyway, a 16U team that was made up of kids who basically were cut or not wanted from other travel teams. They were told they weren't college material. So 
daddy who was the GM of his youth team or maybe the local, quote, premier travel organization said these kids weren't good enough. And I don't know, just glancing at the photo here, there's probably 16, 17, 18 kids in this picture. And fast forward several years, this picture contains three MLB draft picks and 13 Division I college players. Guys, people blossom at different ages. If your kid is not the best, there's no need to panic. You need to focus on making sure he loves the game and wants to keep playing. And if your kid is the best, you are in the most dangerous spot there is because complacency is a bad thing. And thinking that because you're the best at 7, 8, 9, 10, and you're going to be the best when you are 17 or 18 is a very dangerous place to be. And there are so many examples of this happening. And the reason I share this is, guys, it's not that important to win. It's not that important to get two or three more wins. Yes, let's win. But we are, we are trying to build teams to be all world at eight years old. And we're cutting kids who honestly are going to turn around and shove it up your you-know-what in about three years. And it will happen. The third part about that is your team gets left behind because now, six months later, you still only have those same two or three guys. You know, uh, our team's not perfect, and and I'll be honest, we have a lot of talent, and so it might be, quote, easier. But, you know, we've got some guys that pitched well towards the end of the season that you never would have thought would have pitched at the beginning. And it's because they worked, and we encouraged them, and we tried to give them innings. Did we do as good a job as we can Probably not, but we tried to mix it up. And honestly, we lost some games because we made some moves. But by the end of the year, we had two, three, four more guys that could actually throw and were decent. You know, the other example is moving guys around to different positions. The best teams now are the teams who play their best players at the most important positions. And this is a philosophy that I could argue, uh, same as kind of the lineup, but it goes back to what's your goal and is it to win this weekend or is it to develop baseball players? The best teams in two to three years are going to be the teams who move guys around now, develop baseball players now instead of developing shortstops, first baseman, outfielders, second baseman, pitchers, catchers. But we don't think like that because we become general managers and then we just want to win now and now and now and now. So we ultimately make poor choices. And guess what? The kids get hurt. But we do it in the name of, oh, what's best for the kids? We want to win. Nope. The kids don't know what's best. Guys, that's why, that's why they, you know, if it was up to the kids, they would play Xbox all day. They would eat dessert for dinner. But no, we don't let them because we know that's not good for their long-term health. It's the same thing. Guys, parents are the same way, though. We look at what might be the most beneficial for our kid in the moment. We look for what's going to keep them from experiencing any adversity. We look for ways to set them up for success and not just success, but to have the most comfortable route to success. Oh, no roadblocks. Let me move that one out of the way. 
let me reroute them so that they avoid that. We got to let our kids learn to figure things out. And it's never too young to start teaching that. You know, I think this year, a, a personal story, my son went through four uh, tournaments without a, a hit, not even a hit, but he barely made contact, strikeout, strikeout, strikeout. And he, was, and he got in his head. It was, a, it was a disaster, frankly. It was kind of hard to watch, but he would come back to the dugout. And I knew it bugged him. He didn't cry, though. All we did was encourage him. We didn't overcoach every, every pitch. Encourage, encourage, encourage. And then guess what? He asks for more reps in a, in a hitting lesson. So he, he struggled and he realized what was happening and he asked for help. And then it's, it, he's still working on it. It's a process, but guess what? He wakes up every Wednesday when he has his lesson. Hey, Hey dad, we do I have my lesson today. And it's kid driven. And I didn't say, Oh, you know what? Let's, let's try to make it easy on him. Or let's take him to a different team that's, that's less competitive. He failed and he failed and he failed. And then he started working and he's working through that. The other thing is we have to be careful not to place the entirety of our kids' worth in how they perform on the ball field. This is, this is a, a rampant issue. Your kid might just not be very good, guys. Your kid who is good today at nine might turn out just to be not very good when he gets to middle school. And that happens. And that's okay. But we can't tie their value and their worth to how they perform. And while I don't know that we do that intentionally, many, many, many of us do that to our kids. If they feel that from us, we're setting us and them up for a very disappointing and unfulfilled childhood. Now, I know I'll hear this uh, from some, but there, there certainly are legitimate reasons. So it's not like, oh my gosh, we get the team together at eight years old and we stay together forever. That's not what I'm saying. Um, but, the, you know, there are legitimate reasons for coaches to part ways with players and parents to find other teams. So I think this is probably an a, a entirely separate episode. But some of those reasons, and this is not limited to these, but could include you know, behavior issues, commitment issues, even non-baseball related issues, right? So family situations, um, certain dynamics that don't have anything to do with baseball, um, goals and objective differences. So especially as you start to get a little bit older, you, you'll start to see a split of more competitive teams that are maybe traveling every weekend and then less competitive teams that are just out there to have fun. And that's going to happen. And you're going to start to see a split. So if you're a parent and you're like, well, wait a minute, I want to take my kid to a team that's better for him for such and such reasons. I'm not throwing everybody in the same bucket here. There are legitimate reasons to do that. Um, Today, I'm specifically talking about, you know, just trying to win a little more or upgrade your team or I'm going to I'm going to leave this coach because, you know what, he's not wanting to win enough um, or I'm going to leave this coach because I want my son to play shortstop and he's playing second. Um, Things like that. There are legitimate reasons. And so that's a whole nother episode. So here's the thing. We could talk about this for a long time. and, And I think people would get defensive if I was to have a conversation about certain things. But 
at the end of the day, we can only control ourselves, right? We can't control other parents. I can't control coaches. I can only control myself. So I really challenge everybody to look inward, go back to why am I here and what are my family goals? What are, what are the goals that I have for my child? Is he on board with that? You know, am I forcing him to do something? Is he, I, this is when I see a lot, the child is 100% happy and then the parents are mad because he's not playing a certain position or the parents aren't happy because they didn't win that game or that tournament. Um, and so I just want us to, to really look inward. This is, um, may come across as somewhat of a negative episode and it's somewhat meant to be because this has been something I see it on all these Facebook groups, you know, um, nine year old team looking to upgrade, blah, 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 looking for competitive player, eight year old having, Another episode, but I'm so against tryouts in the in the traditional tryout sense that um, that's what we're seeing now. Tryout, 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 tryout. Well, first of all, you're not gonna you can't tell anything from a tryout, uh, especially if you're a, a competitive team. Um, you're wasting your time, you're wasting everybody else's time, and you're not being honest with yourself and and the people that are there. There's ways to do it, and maybe I'll do that episode in the next week or two because I know I've got some of you, and some of you emailed me and said, well, what am I supposed to do? And I think that's a fair question. But to have a tryout to put together a, quote, competitive team and replace, you spent you spent like 36 months with that family, and so you're going to go cut them to upgrade, and then you're going to have an hour-and-a-half tryout, and then you're going to pick that family that's going to be better. Like, think about that. Uh Either you're fooling yourself or you're out here for the wrong reasons. And again, going to get some hate mail on this one. I just, I strongly believe that because I've been there. I've done that. I made the mistakes. Um, I'll end with a story. We did this in, uh, when my older son was eight, you, and we were going into player pitch and I won't name names and I won't go into the details, but we did this, you know, as a, as a coaching staff, whether some of us agreed or didn't, the team, uh, parted ways with a few uh, players who I guess at the time were deemed not quite as good or or whatever compared to their team and they were good families though and we literally picked up on paper three studs and the next year like we went from having 50 wins and two losses to like maybe having 20 wins and 30 losses and the, the team chemistry was you know just not good and what's worse is those kids turned out to be really good athletes and really good players and the families that we had built relationship with you know went different ways and it was uh, something that personally I, I just regret I look back on and I'm thinking you know and it's something against the kids we picked up I mean one of the kids actually was the one I mentioned earlier that just was taken in the first round he was a great kid great family nothing against them at all. But we as a team tried to do what I'm telling you not to. We tried to upgrade by replacing two or three kids and it just doesn't work that way. You know, you're not going out and getting a big league free agent or trading for a a guy who, you know, is going to hit 30 bombs next year. Like we're talking about kids here. There's so many variables that you and I cannot control. So we got to focus on what we can control so that we can build these kids into productive young men in society. So I just want to leave you with that. Um, I'm sure there'll be follow-ups. Please, please um, let me know your feedback. Leave a rating 
on iTunes. If you got this in your email, leave, hit the heart button, share this with somebody. Guys, this is something that I think it's really, really important, but we don't talk about it enough because it's uncomfortable or maybe all of us are in the same boat. And it's something we just, we've got to talk about. Please go to getelbowup.com and subscribe. That way you get everything that I send, which is only one, two, or possibly three times a week, but it's good stuff. And then also share this with somebody. You can share it from the site. You can share it on social media. You can share it in an email. Um, reach out to me and go to getelbowup.com. Just find this post and leave a comment. Shoot me an email, kevinburke2 at gmail.com. That's what it is. And I would love to hear from you and, and let me know how can I help you and your team. Last thing, I almost forgot. I got some really cool t-shirts in. I'm going to get those up online. Not trying to make any money on it, but I want to make sure that we continue to get the message out and that people start to see and ask questions at the local fields and tournaments. So make sure you're subscribed at getelbowup.com. I'm going to send something out this weekend on how you can get a t-shirt um, and a hat. So thanks again for listening. Let me know what I can do to help, and I hope you have a great week. Talk to you next time. Thank <laughs> you.